What's up, ladies and gentlemen? How are y'all? Y'all are like, what do you do with this guy? Absolutely nothing. That's what you do with me. Uh, well, listen, if you have a copy of God's Word, we are going to be in the first gospel, the gospel of Matthew uh, chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I'll go ahead and warn you ahead of time. Um, we are going to rapid fire through a lot of different passages, but we're pretty much going to drop anchor uh, in Matthew's gospel chapter 6 uh, is kind of our launching point. Uh, now, maybe you haven't been here in a couple of weeks, or uh, maybe you've come for the first time tonight, uh, walking through this series called Means of Grace. And so, uh, Kevin launched this a couple of weeks ago, and basically what he's walking through is different components of the Christian life, different things that are part of our lives as followers of Jesus. Some people in the past uh, might label them or call them spiritual disciplines, and, and what Kevin was pointing out to us a few weeks ago is that that's not a bad thing to call them spiritual disciplines because that is what they are. But where we shortchange them is if we stop by only calling them spiritual disciplines. I would give the example of the Bible. Uh, is the Bible a historical book? Is it a historical document? And the answer is Yes, it is, but it's so much more than that, right? We, we shortchange the Bible if we stop there. It's so much more than that. And so what Kevin was having us understand is that by looking at them as means of grace, a spiritual discipline is going to be a means to an end amongst itself. It becomes a punch list for us, something that we check off and we say that we've done, but they're intended to be much further. They're intended to, to cause us to experience God and to channel His grace on the other side of it. So that's why we call them means of grace. Now, Kevin recommended a book to me that I will recommend to you guys. Uh, and it is a, a book by Jerry Bridges called The Discipline of Grace. And he opens his book with this concept. He says, grace and the personal disciplines required to pursue holiness, right? What we're looking at, means of grace, he says they're not opposed to one another. In fact, they go hand in hand. And an understanding of how grace and personal vigorous effort work together is essential for lifelong pursuit of holiness. Uh, yet many believers do not understand what it means to live by grace in their daily lives, and they certainly don't understand the relationship of grace to personal discipline. So that, that's what we're trying to, to work with here, is, is how we can see these areas of our lives. So here's the things that we've covered so far. And by the way, if you've missed them, I would encourage you to go back and listen on the podcast. Uh, just look up Lakeview uh, College podcast. Uh, Kevin started the first week talking about scripture and prayer, right? He used a great Hebrew expression that scripture and prayer go together like shema lema 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 ring a da ding da dong, okay? And, and so that's in the ancient Hebrew text. And so, uh, but, but scripture and prayer, how they go hand in hand, right? When, you, when you're going through scripture, it, it, it catapults us to pray. And when you pray, you can pray scripture because you're praying that back to God. Okay. So those are kind of the, the foundational things. Then the, the next week, a few weeks ago, Riley spoke on worship. And, and one of the great concepts that Riley was helping us understand is that oftentimes uh, we associate worship with what we just did with, with singing and, and with praise. And that's not bad either because that is worship, but worship is so much more than just singing. And then last week, Kerry walked through witnessing or evangelism. And I love how he started out with that, that passage from Paul where he talks about Christ's love compels us, right? It, it compels us. It's the love of Christ that compels me to want to tell other people, and then that way they can encounter the same Jesus that I encountered, okay? So here we are, uh, the next rung in the chain, if you will, and tonight we're going to talk about everybody's favorite thing, that this is the reason why you rode to church with Noah in his ark. This is the reason why, even though you've got a killer test tomorrow, you came anyway, because everybody put on their pants this morning and said, praise God, I get to hear about fasting tonight, right? Thank you, Jordan. <laughs> Right here, just me and George. Now, anyway, yeah. So most of you are probably like, what? Now, I bet if I were willing to survey the crowd, most of us probably would know what fasting is if asked what it is. But chances are few of us, uh, like myself, 
probably really know much about it as far as principle, as far as practice, and or possibly even hearing about it, right? If Pastor Brian asks Kevin or he asks me like, hey, can, can you, I still call it big church. You guys had to forgive me. He's like, hey, can you cover for me one Sunday for big church? I'm like, sure. What do you want to speak on? He's like, whatever you want. I'm not going Heck yeah, fasting it is, right? I mean, that's probably not going to be. Now, Kevin's a lot more spiritual than I am. It's, it's, in his, it's in his gospel gun loaded and ready to go, right? Uh, no, there's a reason why he had somebody else teach tonight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no, but, but, but what, you know, what we've seen so far, and, and tonight we're going to look at fasting, okay? So, so Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, if you're unaware of the context of this passage, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 has kind of affectionately been known through the years as the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus sitting on a mountainside. He's teaching his disciples. It's, it's actually one of the worst formulated sermons in the history of sermon preparation class in seminary. Now you go, well, that's pretty bold for you to say that. Well, because in seminary, they drill into you. Every sermon needs one point. It needs to be unified. When you're done, people know what you covered. Well, because Jesus is Jesus... He can cancel any seminary class whatsoever, right? He is seminary. And so the Sermon on the Mount is basically just about everything that you can encounter as a life of a believer packed into this one sermon. And so in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 16, he, he mentions fasting, okay? He's walking through giving to the needy and praying, laying up for yourselves treasure in heaven. And here's what he says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 16. He says, and when you fast... Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, this is going to kind of be the launching pad of, of everything that we're going to do tonight, okay? And, and I would love to look at fasting under three questions, the umbrella of three questions. The first, what is fasting? Like, if we were trying to come up with a, a definition per se, but mostly in order to understand it, we would say, what is fasting? The second thing I want to look at is where do we, and these are going to come up later, so note takers, don't be ticked at me, okay? I'm tapping in my inner Brian Payne here, and we're going to be rocking and rolling through these slides tonight, okay? But it'll be up there long enough for you to write it down. You'll be good. Where do we see fasting in Scripture? Number three, what does fasting look like for me? Guys, here's the goal. The goal is not that you can walk out of here and somebody go, hey, what is fasting? And you answer their question. The goal is how do you begin to have fasting as a part of your life, as a follower of Jesus Christ, and as a link in the chain of the means of grace to encounter God, right? And to grow in your walk with the Lord Jesus, okay? So now I'm going to go ahead and give a warning, <laughs> There's a lot that I'm about to throw at you. There's a lot that we've got to process together. Now, my goal, though, is not to overload or overwhelm. My goal is to encourage and, and just help you understand it better, okay? I guess we'll see here in about an hour if I meet my goal. Just kidding. Uh, all right, so uh, first things first. What, what is fasting? Uh, Kevin referenced them a few weeks ago. Uh, Richard Foster has a book, uh, celebration of Discipline. Donald Whitney has a book, Spiritual Discipline for the Christian Life. These two guys, man, and these two books really were are kind of foundational in helping believers understand the concept of these means of grace. There really wasn't a whole lot written to help equip believers and help believers understand these things. So I'm actually going to draw from them a little bit. Um, in his book, Celebration of Discipline, Richard Foster says, you know, fasting is the voluntary denial of a normal function for the sake of intense spiritual activity, okay? So, so you see what he's talking about? He's talking about voluntary, which means like that's something that we choose to do, something that we choose to, uh, to step aside from from a time period. But notice what he says here in, in function for the sake of spiritual activity. Hang on to that. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. And, and Donald Whitney follows this up because here's what he says. He says, so then, he's, he's referencing Richard Foster's definition of fasting. He says, so then fasting does not always deal with abstinence from food, which is the primary thing that we think of when we think of fasting. He says, sometimes we may need to fast from involvement with other people or from media, from our phones, 
from, from uh, talking in our sleep. No, I'm just kidding. From talking, from sleeping, etc., in order to become more absorbed. Now, notice here, why would we do it? In a time of spiritual activity, right? So, it's not wrong for us to think about fasting in the context of food. But what Donald Whitney and what Richard Foster are helping us understand, and then we'll see this a little bit later, is that it doesn't always have to be food. It's something in our life that we realize we need to take a break from, but for the sole purpose of helping us focus on Jesus, spend a little bit more time seeking his face. So, so that's how we would define fasting. This is my favorite statement of all. Richard Foster says, fasting must forever be centered on God. In experiences of fasting, we are not so much abstaining from food. This is awesome. As we are feasting on the word of God. Therefore, fasting is feasting. That's cool. Twitter wasn't around when Richard Foster wrote these words, but if it had been, that's tweetable. Fasting is feasting. That's the concept we want to understand, right, about what is fasting. Now, it's, it's important to note several things about fasting. Number one, it's important to note that the practice of fasting is not limited just to Christians, right? Anybody know what started this past weekend on April 1st, and we'll go till May 1st. Ramadan, that's right. Muslims fast in Ramadan from April 1st to May 1st, from sunup to sundown, they fast, right? So many other cultures, so many other religions, so many other things fast. So, so it's important to know that fasting isn't just for Christians. Christians aren't the only ones who do it, but it's very important to understand that we're the only ones who fast as a means of grace, and we are the only ones who fast as a response to salvation instead of an attempt to gain salvation. That's what's so important to understand about Christian fasting. So when I've gone to other places and I've encountered people who are Muslims, and we have so many things in common in practice as far as prayer, as far as fasting, as far as helping the needy, but the sticking point is the reason why they're doing those things is because they're trying to gain right standing with God. The reason why we do them, remember what Richard Foster said and what Darnell Wilton said? The voluntary, right? It's, it's, it's as a response. I'm doing those because I want to. It's because I want to. I'm responding to the love of Christ. And guys, I can tell you right now, that makes all the difference in the world because when I talk to people who fast for reasons other than a means of grace, like it's so hard for them that there's not a whole lot of joy in it whatsoever, right? And it's so joyful for us. It's so joyful for us. Warren Wisby, he says this. He says, simply to deprive ourselves from a natural benefit such as food or sleep is not of itself fasting. We must devote ourselves to God and worship him. Unless there is the devotion of the heart, there's no lasting spiritual benefit. So when you're thinking about fasting, that's what you need to understand is why we're doing that, okay? All right, so that's what we would say is fasting. Now, here's the one that's going to be like drinking from a fire hydrant, okay? Where do we see fasting in Scripture? I don't know if you know this or not, but fasting is actually mentioned in Scripture more times than baptism. Over 70 times throughout Scripture, we see evidences of fasting, command of fasting, as well as teaching about fasting. So don't worry, I'm not showing you all 77 <laughs> verses, okay? Yeah, whew, but we're probably going to come close. At least you're going to feel like it. But, but, but in fasting, right, where do we see this in Scripture? I want to dive into God's Word, and I kind of want to break these down into chunks for us, right? You know how like when people, uh, they always say, you ever heard the old question like, how do you eat an elephant? And the answer is? One bite at a time. You know what people never tell you? Where do you take the first bite? Right? Where do you start? And so we're going to talk about that a little bit by breaking this down into smaller chunks and in looking at where do we see fasting in Scripture. So, so the first chunk I want to look at is what I'm calling the what. Like, like what kind of fasts do we see in Scripture? The, the first one I would have identified is what I would say like a normal fast. Now, a lot of these are taken from... Um, a lot of the explanations with Donald Whitney and, and Richard Foster, so, you know, don't, it's, it's not a ton of original, but it helps us understand a normal fast, what we call a normal fast, is just abstaining from all food except for liquids, 
Um, we see this a lot in, in Scripture. Uh, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, and in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, um, we see Jesus says that he was led into the wilderness uh, right after his baptism. And it says, so Jesus was led up by the Spirit in the wilderness uh, to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was what? It's right. It's kind of like an open book test, y'all. He was what? He was hungry. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, he was hungry. Then you go, well, how does this prove like without a normal fast? So if, if Jesus had withheld from food and water for 40 days, the Bible would have said that he was hungry and he was thirsty. That's right. Thank you. Yes. So what we see is we see Jesus doing a 40-day fast. Uh, and, and it says also in Scripture that he was also sustained uh, by the Spirit and, and by the supernatural realm. And so this is what most people, I would say, I call it a normal fast because that's what is most common. When, when people think about fasting from something, that's what they think of. Fasting from food, uh, but not liquids. And we see Jesus doing that right after his baptism. Uh, the second one I would identify, I would call a, a partial fast, uh, which means a limitation of the diet, but not from all food, right? And, and this is where we would go back to thinking about um, things in our lives that we can fast from other than food or not all food altogether. So, for example, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 12, Daniel and, and his friends, a lot of the young guys, <clears throat> when they were taken captive, right, it says they came in uh, to Israel and they took all the young, handsome, smart young men. I would have been left behind, just in case you're wondering, right? Okay, so, 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 but people like my son Micah would have been taken. And in Daniel chapter 1, we see that he goes to the guards because it said that he had made a vow not to defy himself with the king's food. And so he goes in and it says here, it says, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. So here's Daniel doing what we would consider like a partial fast. He's not fasting from food altogether. There's a certain food he's fasting from, which was the king's meat. Now listen, why was he doing that? He was doing that because he wanted to focus on his walk with the Lord. And you say, Greg, how do you know that? Because in his day, the king's meat was sacrificed to false gods, to idols, and then it was served to the people. Daniel had made a commitment to be pure to the Lord. And in his mind, he was fasting from the king's meat, not because he was a vegetarian, but because he wanted to keep his focus on God, the promises he had made to God, and his covenant with the Lord. So he doesn't fast from food altogether. He just fasted from that one group. For what purpose? For the spiritual purpose of keeping his walk with the Lord. We see this in Matthew chapter 3. John the Baptist, right? Man, if there's ever a dude that I could probably relate to as just being odd and short of friends, it'd be John the Baptist. So uh, now it says right here, now John wore a garment of camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey, right? So John didn't, didn't fast all the time, but he limited his diet. Uh, anybody in here, I, I think Kevin has, anybody in here ever had like fried crickets in Africa and things like that? They're actually pretty tasty. So John the Baptist wasn't... That crazy, right? Anything tastes good. Dirt tastes good with honey, all right? So anyway, so, so you see the, these partial fasts going on. And, and in today, you may say, well, what does that look like today? Well, in today, you may see, and you may have even done this, where people may do like a media fast. Uh, they may say, hey, look, man, I realize like I'm, I, I wake up every morning and the first thing I do is turn on my phone and I, and I start scrolling through social media. And, and what I've realized is that it's caused me to neglect maybe starting my day with the Lord. So I'm gonna do like, a 21-day social media detox or, or you know, whatever. Um, just something that we could limit uh, for ourselves, uh, a certain food group that we may do, okay? So um, the second thing uh, that we see, oh, uh, yeah, I put in my notes too, a dessert fast. This was, this was kind of fun. Uh, my mother-in-law actually uh, used to fast from dessert to pray for my brother-in-law. And so anytime somebody would offer her dessert, she would take that time and she would pray for my brother-in-law. And I was like, God bless you. Guys. I was like, I'd skip on the food and, and, and pray while the meat is being eaten. And then I would eat the dessert. So my mother-in-law is a lot godlier than I am. Anyway, so, uh, so we have a, a normal fast, a partial fast. Uh, and the last thing would be an absolute fast. Uh, we see this in Scripture as well. And that's going to be a fast of everything. 
everything of, of food or liquid. Um, probably not sustainable for a long period of time, and, and rightly so medically. But we see this happen in, in Ezra chapter 10. Uh, it says, Then Ezra withdrew from before the house of God, and he went to the chamber of Jehoahan, the son of Elishabab, and, and where he spent the night neither eating bread nor drinking water, for he was mourning over the faithlessness of the exile. His heart was so broken over the, just the faithlessness of the people of Israel that he locked himself in his chambers and he, he did an absolute fast uh, just to mourn. We see this in Esther. In the book of Esther, Esther was the queen and she wanted to go to the king on behalf of her people. Her lineage was Israel and the king was going to put them to death. And so here she goes to her uncle and it says, then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold a fast on my behalf. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my young women will also fast as you do. So here's like just a, a great need at hand that they abstain from. And in the New Testament, uh, uh, Paul, uh, Saul of Tarsus is on his way to Damascus uh, to persecute Christians. Uh, you can read about this in Acts. He has a, an encounter with Paul. Damascus Road experience is what it's called. And, and after encountering Jesus while he's in Damascus, it says that for three days he, Paul, was without sight and he neither ate nor drank. So, so these are going to be some of the most extreme fast in some of the most extreme circumstances. We're going to look about that more in a minute. And so today where people, you might find somebody doing an absolute fast would be kind of in a situation that's just, it's just dire. I've known of friends of mine who maybe their children were, were stillborn or they were born uh, and went straight into ICU and they would do an absolute fast to seek the Lord uh, in a situation like that. Uh, they would find themselves in dire straits. They might do an absolute fast for a day or two. Um, this one is not sustainable for long periods of time, but we do see it. In Scripture, so you have normal fast, uh, you have the partial fast, and you have the absolute fast. So those are kind of the what. So what about the who, right? So, so where do we find uh, uh, the who in, in, in fasting? The, the first one's going to be what I call a, a private fast. And, and that's just simply going to be like fasting by ourselves and keeping it to ourselves. Um, the foundational passage behind this is going to be the passage that we just read in Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> where Jesus says, and when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, uh, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret sees you. So basically what he's saying is like, a, a, a private fast is going to be something that I'm working with with the Lord, like the something the Lord and I are doing, and, and I choose to do one of these fasts. You know, and, and I don't have a shirt that's like, hey, leave me alone, I'm fasting, you know, and, and I wear it, and, and I just walk around disheveled, I'm like, bro, you okay? Nah, just leave me alone, bro, I'm fasting, man. You know, and, and he's like, no, don't do that, right? Just, just keep about your day, um, but be fasting in the process while you do that. Uh, this, is, this is also probably the most common that we'll see, but there's also group fasts. Group fast, like, like a group of people that will be fasting together. So, so two or more Christians fasting together to focus on the Lord for a common task or a common situation. And you may say, well, well what, is, what does that look like? Joel, the prophet in Joel chapter 2, um, this is what he told the people. He said, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. And so he was calling the people to come together to, to, to fast and to worship the Lord as a group. And, and Jonah, if, if you're familiar with the encounter of Jonah, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, right? Then the Ninevites were terrible. Any VeggieTale people in here, what did they do? They slapped people with fishes. They were horrible, right? And so, so God goes and, and, and it tells Jonah to, to go and, and to preach repentance there in Nineveh. And, and the king repented and relented. And look at what he did. It says, so the people of Nineveh believed in God and they called for a fast. And they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. So collectively, as a community, they all repented and fasting was involved in their Repentance. We also see this with the new believers after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to heaven. 
It says that while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. So here you see a group of believers together using fasting as a part of their group worship. And, and listen, guys, that, that could happen today. Um, so many times, if, if you've been here at Lakeview long enough, so many times, uh, Brother Al and, and Pastor Brian as well, like there'll be moments where we may have like a week of prayer or there may be a day where we're praying for a situation. Maybe it's an election or maybe it's something like what happened in Ukraine recently, something going on. And, and they call the church to gather and pray and they'll even invite us. They'll say, and if you feel led to fast while you pray as well. Now, not every one of us in the congregation will be doing that, but many of us will be collectively. Why? Because we have a, a task together or a situation together that we're focusing on the Lord. Years ago, it seems like lifetimes ago, um, I used to, to be a youth pastor. And, and one of the years um, leading up to a few weekend, which is like our Disciple Now weekend, um, man, I just really felt like the Lord was going to do something big. And so about two weeks out, uh, the Lord kind of put in my spirit to begin to fast every day. And so I, I took time every day and I prayed for certain things. And then the Lord laid it on my heart to send that out to the leaders and invite them to fast with me uh, if they so choose to. And, and several of our leaders did it. And so together we were fasting and we were praying for this thing that we were doing together as we led up to that event. So, so kind of what, right? You got the normal fast, you got the partial fast, you got the absolute fast. You have private fast where we do it together. We have group fast where uh, there's a, a, a two or more that are, that are doing it together. And then lastly, I would say when. Like when does all this take place? Like when does this happen? Um, I kind of lumped it in. It is, it's, be, it's pretty self-explanatory. Like a, a regular fast would be like a routine of fasting on specific days for specific purposes. Um, you know, you find those in different places in Scripture. Like, for example, when you're, when you're reading through the Old Testament, talking about the Day of Atonement and sacrifices, which is everybody's go-to passage for personal devotion, right? <laughs> I just happen to be in Leviticus and Numbers right now. But, uh, but yeah, so like Day of Atonement, there's like all these things that the priests are doing uh, to get ready for the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement was a celebration that happened once a year. Um, did you cover atonement in your uh, covenant? Uh, your covenant series, covenant theology series recently? Yeah, there you go. And so, so the Day of Atonement was a big deal, if you didn't know, right? It, it's a big deal that happened every year, and they had these things that they did every year, and fasting was a part of their preparation for that. Um, today, people may do a routine of fasting. For example, I have friends of mine that are lead pastors that they may set aside like Thursday to fast and pray while they're doing their sermon prep. Um, a friend, a good friend of Kevin and ours, Ryan uh, Johnson, every year uh, he takes January and fasts through the month of January to start his year off spending time with the Lord, right? And so a regular fast would just be like certain times that are just kind of a routine time of your life that you do them. Um, and then the, the second thing would just be uh, like a specific fast. And this would be like when an individual situation arises at an unforeseen time, um, think about Nineveh, right? Like, like Nineveh hadn't incorporated fasting. It's just the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, and they repented, and they relented, and they began to fast. Or like Esther, uh, Esther didn't go before the king unannounced on a weekly basis to where she would call the people <laughs> to fast for her. That was a one-time thing that she was pleading on behalf of her people. And so um, these would be times where like something comes up. Um, I, I know one time, uh, in my life, uh, there was a, when I was here as a youth pastor and there was another church somewhere else who had called me and was talking to me about coming uh, to, to leave Lakeview and go there to be the youth pastor. And, and I, I, I would always tell people, I'd be like, well, I'm, I'm going to spend time praying about it because I'm going to go where the Lord leads and not go where he doesn't lead. And so I had prayed for like a week and, and I had no confirmation one way or the other. Like I had no sense in my spirit um, if I should go or if I should stay. And the pastor, he called me back a week later and he's like, have you, like, have you made a decision? And I said, dude, I, I'm sorry, but I still don't know. I was like, could you give me another week? And he was like, yeah, we can do that. And so I started fasting uh, during that week. And on that last morning, right before he was going to call me that day, I got confirmation from the Lord that he wanted me to stay. And so that was a situation that had come up there was a specific fast. I wanted to seek the Lord for a specific 
moment for a specific situation. And so that's what I did. All right. So basically, what would I say for today, for you and for me, looking at all this that we've seen in Scripture, I would say that probably for most of us, most of us, if we're incorporating fasting into our means of grace, if we're incorporating fasting into our life as followers of Christ, it's probably going to be a normal or a partial fast. It's private. It's something that we're doing uh, with us and the Lord, and it's occasional, right? It's things that we have going on. Now, that doesn't mean that those other ones are off the table. By no means. We see all of that <laughs> in Scripture. But this is probably where most of the focus, if you're thinking about fasting, you're reading about fasting, or you're hearing about fasting, most of it probably falls under that. Whew! Anybody else need a mind diaper at this point besides me? I mean, my goodness. That's a whole lot, right? To try to cover and to try to process and, and see what's happening, right? But it's good. It's good stuff that we see in Scripture and it's stuff that teaches us to experience the Lord. But, but here's the thing, guys. When you, when you see it right here, right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. So here's the thing, man. Like, we see fasting. A lot of those were in the Old Testament and a few of them carried into the New Testament, and so when Jesus comes on the scene, right, uh, so many people were curious about Old Testament law. And even today, right, a lot of people think, well, when I read the Old Testament, it needs to be more for just like educational purposes for me to read about the history of Israel or to read about like how they used to do things versus now. And we kind of feel like now that Jesus has come on the scene, he kind of opened the door and chunks the Old Testament law out the window and, 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 and close the window. And then all of a sudden you go, sweet, now we live in the new covenant. Well, Jesus didn't say that, right? Jesus didn't say, hey, I've come to abolish the law. He actually said quite the opposite. He said that he came to do what? To fulfill the law. That's right. So he's like, no, no, you don't stop doing these things. And so notice what Jesus says here in verse 16. He says, and when you fast... That's your first inclination right there, that you understand that us now in the new covenant, on the other side of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, he says, when you fast. Now, if I were to say something to you and I put the word when at the beginning, what am I assuming? That you're going to do that, right? When I tell my son, my youngest son, Caleb, I'm like, hey, bro, when you brush your teeth, what am I assuming? He's going to brush his teeth. Now, it's a terrible assumption because he's 14, right? But, but no, the thing is, is, like, if I say when you do something, right? If I say, Kevin, hey, when you come into work tomorrow, what am I assuming? He's coming into work tomorrow. You'll never have a test this easy at school. Come on, work with me, people. All right, so, yeah, when you. So, so when Jesus says when you fast, if Jesus was coming to put the Old Testament practices aside, why would he use phrases like when? And the answer is he wouldn't. He would say when you used to or these things. But no, he says when you fast because he fully intends for his followers to continue this means of grace in their life, which leads us into the next point. What does fasting look like for you and me? What does it look like for you and for me? John Wesley, the founder of the the Methodist movement says some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture in reason and others have utterly disregarded it. All right, what's he saying? And, and you can see this with all of these means of grace. What he's saying is that people either take them way too far and they make them a part of, of salvation and they make them a part of, of, of the way that you can come to Jesus Christ and he says, but as a counter to that, two people have gone too far the other way, and they just utterly disregard it altogether. And, and basically, he's saying that that shouldn't be so. Don, Donald Whitney said this. I love this. He says, for some Christians, fasting for spiritual purposes is as unthinkable as shaving their head or walking barefoot across a fire pit. Right? He said, for, for some people, if you talk to them about fasting, they're like, bro, what kind of cult are you asking me to be a part of? Okay, I'm not drinking your Kool-Aid while I'm fasting from food. I'm just saying. You know, he's like, or, or you just, you feel weird. You're like, what do I got to shave my head and put on a robe and, and, and chant like a monk? You know, it's, it's because 
we have not understand a biblical model and a biblical understanding of fasting. And so John Wesley says, to our detriment, some have either taken it too far or, or they just throw it out altogether. And Donald Whitney says, some people are like, you're asking me to do what? You're asking me to walk barefoot across hot coals? No way. You're smoking crayons. There's no way I'm doing that, right? So, so when we look at fasting for you and me, Here's what I want us to consider tonight, okay? Is we're about to put tires on this car, and we're about to put shoes on these feet that are about to walk over hot coals. When you and I choose to fast, here's some parameters for us to operate within. Why am I fasting? Now, I, I would say you probably could take this question and apply it to every means of grace, right? Like, why am I reading my Bible? Why am I praying? Why am I worshiping? Why am I witnessing? Why am I helping people who are in need? Like, why am I doing these things? Um, if you take a journalism class, they'll tell you that that word why is, is kind of the, the source or the root of, of every story, right? That's what they want to get to. Why? You know, you, you watch all these detective shows, right? What do they want to try to figure out? They want to figure out, like, why would you do that? Why would you do that? So why would you fast? And, and, and it, the main thing is to remember what we talked about earlier. Other people fast besides Christians. Why would we fast? We fast because it's a means of grace. It's another element in the Christian life to experience God through fasting that we might not experience him another way. Uh, Jesus, a group of his disciples were out preaching in his name and casting out demons. And they come across this one demon that they can't cast out in Jesus' name. And it's freaking them out a little bit. Jesus comes up. And shows them, stays left. And they're like, bro, what'd you do? And Jesus says, well, this type doesn't happen without prayer and, anybody know? Fasting. Yeah. So there's a component there that we don't experience the Christian life without, without fasting. But also to remember, why we fast is not to check that off the list and go, oh yeah, I did that. Or, oh, hey, look at me. Come here, bro. I'll teach you how to fast. Kind of the man at it. No. That's not why we fast. We fast so that we can experience God's grace and as a response to salvation instead of the means of it. But now also when we fast, okay, I'll pick on girls a little bit here. Please don't weaponize fasting, right? If there's a dude you don't want to date, don't be like, I'm sorry, I'm fasting from dating to focus on Jesus. No! Don't throw fasting under the bus like that, okay? Like, like as Kevin says all the time, like don't weaponize it, all right? It's not, it's not that. It's also not a little extra juice on your Hail Mary before you walk into a test, okay? You can't be like, man, prayer probably ain't going to work for this test. All right, God, I'll skip Chick-fil-A too. You know, that's not a little extra sauce on the pass you throw in the end zone to get you five more yards, okay? That's not why we fast, okay? It's not one of those where you're trying to tap into something that's got a little extra boost power to it, you know, that can make you level up. <laughs> that's not what fasting is. But fasting gives us an opportunity to do what? To feast on God, to spend that time and that moment. So, so the second question then is like, where is my focus when I'm fasting? Where is my focus when I'm fasting? Notice what Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, chapter 6. In, um, in verse 17, he says, oh, But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So he's basically saying like, hey, look, guys, when you're going about your day, just go about your day. But if you're fasting in the process of doing that, your focus is changing just a little bit. Your focus is changing just a little bit. Uh, I love this uh, quote. I can't, I can't remember if I put it up there or not. No, I didn't. Warren Wiersbe. Whoop. Oh, they all went away. Oh, gosh. I'm having trouble here. I'm going to find it. Sorry, y'all. Hey, sweet. Uh, Warren Wiersbe says this about when we're fasting. He says, if we look miserable to be considered spiritual then there's something wrong with our view of spirituality. Did you catch that? If we look miserable to be considered spiritual, there's something wrong with our understanding of spirituality. So where do I go next in fasting? Right? Here, here's where we, where we wrap it up and we take it across the finish line. Where do we go next in fasting? Um, some of you in here have probably never fasted before as a means of grace, as a part of your walk with Christ. I was probably 
mid to late 20s, I guess. Um, I'd had a radical encounter with Jesus right before my 22nd birthday when I was a student here at Auburn. Um, it was growing in my walk with the Lord and, and uh, was working as a graphic designer in, in Birmingham. And I started taking some classes at a, a seminary up there, some night classes there. And, uh, and so in one of those classes, it was a spir spiritual formation class. And my professor said, hey, look, we, we walk through these means of grace like every week. And he said, hey, anytime we come to something, to focus on that as a part of your walk with Christ for that week. And so we got to the week on fasting, and I was like, I've never done that. Now I was a wrestler, so I had cut weight, but that's not the same thing, right, as we learned early on. Like, just abstaining from food is not fasting. And, and, so, uh, and so he was he challenged us to do that. So I was like, I've never done this before. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. And so I, I took lunch one day, and I went, and I I prayed, and, and I sang, and I read in God's Word, and, and then I was like, well, that was kind of cool, you know? And, and so then, like, a couple of weeks later, I was like, I think I want to try that again. And so I took my lunch break, and I went to this park in Homewood, and I started praying, and I started reading my Bible, and I started worshiping. And then I was like, man, I kind of dig this, man, you know, because there's something about it. And then every time that I got hungry, because trust me, I— I like to eat. And so every time I got hungry, it reminded me what I would do is I would take one of those people or I would take one of those things that I had been praying for. And every time I got hungry, like that afternoon, I would just take a minute, you know, and if I was praying for my dad, if I was praying for my mom or I was praying for my wife or I was praying for whatever, just a little snippet of something, right? So here, here's what I would say. If you've never fasted before, uh, try it between now and next Wednesday, uh, take, take a meal time, whatever meal time is for you, right? For some of us, it's usually about 10 minutes, you know, whatever it is, take a meal time for you, try a, uh, uh, you know, like a normal fast where you just sustain with, with liquids, um, and spend that time. And if you're like, bro, I don't know if I can, how do you spend a whole time? I'll give you three things to do. Okay. And, and I, I guarantee you, you do these three things and that time will fly by. Um, pick a Psalm, maybe not 119, unless you're planning on fasting for a couple of hours, uh, take a psalm, right? And, and, and read that psalm and just like, anytime you come to a verse, just stop and just say, hey God, what's in, that, what's in that verse you want me to hear? Sometimes it's nothing, right? Like, you crushed my enemy under my feet. You're like, dad, come, right? No, no, and so, no, it's a pray for vengeance, you know? Lord, give Jimmy diarrhea today for embarrassing me. I said, no, don't do that, right? So, no, but like sometimes you come to a passage and, and there's nothing, right? Well, then just go to the next passage. Don't make it up, right? Don't, don't be like praying stupid stuff now. And, and so just, just walk through that and just pray. And then here's what's cool. Like you're going to have people and you're going to have situations and you're going to have things on your mind that when you read a passage, it's going to draw that person right? It's going to draw that friend. It's going to draw that family member. It's going to draw that situation from you. Like maybe, for example, you, you pick a psalm that says, you know, your, your, your light is, is, or your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light into my path. And you're like, crap, I'm graduating in like a month. I need direction from the Lord. And you can pray about that. Or maybe your friend or whoever, right? Um, and, and then you can spend some time praying. Think about who God is. And just pray his attributes back to him. He'll never get bored with you praying his attributes. Man, God, thank you so much for being holy. I know that's weird, man, but I appreciate your holiness. God, thank you for being ever-present. Because I know that not just on my good days, but even on my bad days, I know you're walking with me. Right? Just start thinking about those. And when you run out, maybe a song comes to mind. Man, we don't all sing like Kevin Webb. That's fine, right? Because hopefully you're fasting in a secret place and nobody hears you, right? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but just pray, right? And just, just go through that. And then the rest of your day, until you eat again, as you get hungry or something, just drop those little prayers in there. Just try it. Just try it one time between now and then and see what it does. Just see what it does. And then it may be that there's certain things in your life that you want to begin to build these into. Maybe you say, dude, you know what? My Mondays are freaking bazonkers. Like they are, they are madhouse days, Okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take 30-minute lunch block every Monday, and I'm going to fast when I pray to help me refocus. Whatever it is, right? Whatever it is for you. Now, here's the thing that, I, that a lot of people differ on is, you know, he, Jesus says, like, you know, don't let other people know you're fasting. And that's true. 
But like I have prayer and accountability partners that they may say, hey man, let's go grab some lunch on Monday. And that may be a day I've set aside to fast. I could do one of two things. I could either move my fast to another day because there's nothing like that's religion about the actual day. Or I could just tell them. I could be like, hey, you know what? I'm just going to hang out with you, talk to you and pray with you. But I'm just, I'm going to skip the meal today. Cool. Sweet. You don't have to make a big deal about it. You know what I'm saying? You can do that. And, and it may be that some of you uh, have, have a medical condition that you can't do that. You, you can't do a, a, a fasting from food. That's cool. There's something in your life that you love that you could fast from for a little while. Right? Maybe your phone. You throw it to your accountability partner or your boyfriend or girlfriend or your roommate or something for like a day. Lord have mercy, the world would swallow you whole. But, and you're like, hey, when I go to check my phone, because here's what's going to happen, and y'all know it's true. How many of you fools out there are like me? Somebody's Apple Watch goes off, and the first thing you do is this. You look to see if it's you. Every time you hear a little ding, what do you do? Man, praise God. Thank you so much for today. Every time you hear somebody's phone, you know, we, we a bunch of herd getting led to the slaughter, right? You hear, and you're like, you know? Every time you do that, instead of reaching for your pocket, be like, yes, Lord, I just thank you so much. <laughs> you want to see how programmed you are to your technology? Put it aside for a day. You'll see. You'll see, right? But anyway, but the thing is, is like, just try it. Just try it. Because here's the thing. If, you, if you've never tried it, how do you know what you're missing? How do you know? What you're, there's, a, there's a means of grace that Jesus not only expects us to do, but he wants us to do. Why? For the sole purpose of asking him. Now, let's say you fasted once or twice before, and you're like, man, I want to turn this into like a day. I want to try like three meals. Or like me, man, I, listen, I've had more surgeries in my life because I see something and I just go for it, and I don't weigh the cost. Like I, one day I was walking through the grocery store, and I see this box of coffee that's got a skull and crossbones on the front, and I'm like, Bro, I wonder what that tastes like. And so I brought it into the office at Adam Trailer. He's like, dude, what is that? And I was like, I don't know, some coffee I saw at the store. And I was intrigued. And he goes, that's why you've had so many surgeries. You see a skull and crossbones, and you're like, I wonder what that is. I see a skull and crossbones. I'm like, I'm good, right? You know, but, but so I tried. To, I remember the first I did like one meal, and then, and then I'd, I'd done it again. And then I was like, man, I want to try one of these 14-day fasts, right? Well, nobody told me, man. I'm just like, so I, I stopped eating the night before, and then I started the next morning, and I went 14 days without solid food, right? I had nothing but like liquid and, and like uh, V8 juices and stuff. And so when I was done with day 14, I'm like, yes! And I broke, I'm not kidding, man. I broke my fast with a McDonald's Big Mac, okay? <laughs> Meal. And I'm sitting in my car. You ever see Kung Fu Panda? Right when Poe's in the kitchen doing the splits on the cabinet, stuffing his face with cookies, right? I can't do the splits. I wasn't doing that. But I'm sitting in my car, and I'm like, I mean, I'm shoveling this thing down. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, just going to town. And then I stand up. Y'all, I saw like three UFOs. Like, just, <laughs> and, and listen, I fell down. I blacked out. And I'm like, what? What in the world? You know, Jesus, take the wheel. And I was telling my buddy who fasts all the time, he's like, bro, you can't do that to your body, man. Like, you can't shock it like that. So, so maybe you're at that next stage. Maybe you're not a newbie. Maybe you're like at that amateur level. And, and you fasted once or twice. And, and my encouragement for you is expand that a little bit. Like, maybe take it into a whole day. Or maybe set aside like a day every week for like a month or two months or something. Or, or maybe try something like a 10-day fast or a 14-day fast. But if you do, please ease in slow. Ease out slow. Leave the McDonald's drive-thru alone probably for the rest of your life. But definitely for a couple days, okay? So, um, so anyway, so try that. So if you're a newbie, my, my charge to you would be just try once. Just try once. Just try something. Just try something for like a day or for like a meal, and see how it goes. And then the second is, if you've done this before, maybe spend some time with the Lord and say, how can I expand this, right? We don't ever want to get to a place in our, in our walk with Jesus, in our life of development, where we feel like we've arrived. Like, I've read as much of the Bible as I need to read, or I've prayed as much as I need to pray, or I've shared my faith as much as I need to share my faith, or I've fasted as much as I need to fast. The finish line for the means of grace is when we see Jesus face to face right? That's when we get to the finish line 
of our means of grace. Now, if you're a pro, if you're at that top level, God bless you. Pray for us mere mortals who struggle with sustainability on this stuff. Like even, even uh, when I was working on this last week, I was sitting there and I was praying and I was talking to God and like God revealed to me, it's probably been about five or six years since the last time I actually like did something serious with fasting. And I was like, whew, okay, all right. Well, I guess it's time to bring this means of grace back into my life. So I'm glad Kevin asked me to do this one because the Holy Spirit revealed to me an area in my life where I'd let a means of grace slip by and I need to start bringing those back in to my routine. So those of you who are pros, pray for us mere mortals, okay? Ratio, thank you. So, uh, so in, in closing, in closing, what in the world do I want you to do with all of this? Like why in the world did I just open up a big trash can of, of information and just dump it all over your head? Well, either A, I want you to add a practice of fasting into your means of grace, or B, I want you to continue to develop and expand fasting in your life from now until the day that you see Jesus face to face. I'll close with this statement from Warren Wiersbe that's always stood out to me. He said, we must cultivate the heart in the secret place, for it has well been said that the most important part of a Christian's life is the part that only God sees. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you give us an opportunity to receive your grace, to experience your grace, to walk in your grace, to live in your grace, to grow in your grace, to understand your grace more and more. And I don't just mean grace by you helping us out in our times of need or or just saving grace, but God, even just everyday grace that we can gather tonight and we can open your word, but specifically tonight, the grace that when we fast in order to feast on you, your grace that sustains us in those times, your grace that reveals your truth and your word and your character to us. God, thank you for means of grace because you are a gracious God and we, like everybody else, need your grace so much. So thank you for this time. Thank you for a gracious God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.